0: Welcome to a new episode of the Creative Industry Insight Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby. For the third course of our chaos menu covering FX is the Bear, we have a palette cleansing dish, editor Joanna Nagel, who joins us to talk about their work cutting on the show. Please be warned, there are heavy spoilers in this episode, so let's lay it rip with Joanna. Hi Joanna thank you for joining me today.
1: Yeah excited to be here thanks for having me.
0: I'm excited to sit down and talk about FX's The Bear which has done really well in terms of award nominations and winning awards and all the buzz that I've seen online. It's kind of like I've, I've said this before but it's like it's hit at the right time like Ted Lasso hit during the pandemic where everybody needed that bit of a feel-good and then now The Bear is kind of stepped into its place and is given like audiences a complete different flavor as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I started working on the show, I was like, oh, it's so fast paced and it's so intense. Like, I hope people are going to enjoy watching it and kind of was overlooking the fact that the show is really about communication and collaboration and bringing out the best in each other and working on a team, which I think is something anyone can relate to and the the struggles that come with that, but everyone's just trying their best. And I think seeing the transitions that the characters make throughout the two seasons is just really gratifying because it feels like you know them so well and you're rooting for them the whole time.
0: Yeah, I think it's just one of those shows that has a special bond that you don't really... No one's like the villain necessarily. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you kind of start loving each character for the how they are, and you kind of start understanding, you know, why they behave in that sort of way. And it's just so well, it's so well shown in the writing and in the acting as well. And that you kind of understand characters' decisions, why they shout, why they behave, and you kind of start seeing them grow. And you kind of feel like a proud parent as well when you see somebody like Richie start growing as a person. You are just like. Oh. You know, that's my son growing up.
1: (laughs) I completely agree. I think Richie is definitely like the fan favorite for the post team. And everyone just loved him from the beginning of season one. So to see where he ends in season two and him and Sydney, you know, really step up and take control of the situation. You know, I was just like cheering for him. I was like, yes, Richie, so proud of you. You've grown so much. So I'm glad the audience members are also feeling as attached as all the editors and AEs are as well.
0: But just to like, how have you found the reception of the show? Because as I mentioned, there's a lot of positivity about it. But as someone working on it, there must be like a completely different feel and buzz knowing that people have enjoyed it so much.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, working on season one, we kind of had no idea what to expect. So when people would ask me what I'm working on, I was like, Oh, working on the show, it's, you know, about a chef who takes over his family's diner. And it's with the features one of the main actors from shameless Jeremy Allen white, but you know, nobody really knew what to expect. I don't think we knew what to expect, because there's so much amazing TV out there. Um, It's hard to know what's going to break through and find its audience. And I had a feeling that my like nerdy, film school friends would appreciate like the craft of making it cuz it's so well made, it's so well acted, directed, written. Um but you know, I was like, "Oh, but it's also intense. I don't know that might turn some people off." And I was so thrilled when it seemed like people from all over, all different age, you know, all different ages, genders, you know, whatever their background is, we really have like a very uh, devoted and wide-ranging fan base. And then the pressure really felt like it was on for season 2 cuz season 1 we didn't really have any expectations. And then I was like, "Oh my gosh, I hope we can satisfy people with season two. And I feel like Chris Store, the creator of the show, Joanna Callow, Josh senior, all the creative producers just knocked it out of the park. And from the first time I read the scripts, I was like, Oh, I just can't wait to see this come to life because it's so fun, like to build up who these characters are in season one, but really, really get more into their backstory and the different shared histories and dynamics between the different characters. Once we get into season two and getting a whole episode to just hang out with Marcus or a whole episode to just like follow Sydney's creative journey. Like that was something we didn't didn't really have time for in season one but felt so much more earned in season two and it was really fun to get a little bit more granular and uh you know under the surface with some of these people
0: i think as well with like season one it's kind of that kami's journey right in terms of what he wants to do and what needs to be done and then season two i do love that we start seeing more of each character and how you said it like we spend an episode with marcus episode with uh, Richie and even the spending episode with the family as well which is I've got a question about that but that's for a little bit later on and it kind of like evolves and helps us like an audience to watch watch it kind of like move on and go and not just focus on the same same old sort of situation and problems
1: Yeah, I mean, from the very first, very opening of the first episode, we really just wanted to introduce Carmi, you know, we were following his journey, he was definitely the protagonist. And I think you're right, like his emotional arc definitely carried us through the first season. And, you know, we spent a lot of time on that, like, first montage that happens in the pilot, where, you know, we see Carmi doing a million different things at once. So we wanted to start from a place of like, this is literally like, hell like chris game gave me the note it should feel like he's drowning like he's cooking but he's also trying to sell the jeans he's setting up the ball breaker tournament we're seeing all these family photos over the years introducing chicago is kind of the backdrop of the show so i think the first season was really about him starting to process his grief figuring out what type of leader he is um and rallying the troops to trust him and take a step in the direction of the, the person and chef he wants to be moving forward um and then yeah i just loved how in season two it was really smart for the writers to say let's actually let carmy kind of go on this side tangent and have him have this romantic relationship with claire and kind of see how everybody else is able to step up or not depending on how carmy's kind of like you know stepping back leaves this this vacuum or void and To build to the finale where, without any spoilers, Carmi can be less involved than he'd like to be and then seeing how everybody reacts to that just felt like a great culmination of the season to really show that growth and show how everybody had kind of stepped up in different ways.
0: When you're talking about like stepping up and I think that's like probably one of the themes of season two and another theme is something like Every Second Counts. Which is kind of which you, like, you feel in the show, especially with like how tight it's edited and how you go from very fast paced, really hectic moments to then having moments where see- scenes breathe and like you really get the emotional core of it and how it let it play out. But as an editor, like, how do you find a balance between the two?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's something that was so important to us from the beginning is you know, we really wanted to start the first episode. Chris and I talked at length about having it be like the shot of adrenaline to just be like, this is the pace of the show. You're in or you're out, you know, kind of throwing lots of exposition as pe- at people. Um, so you kind of felt as overwhelmed as Carmi did stepping into this environment. And when Adam Epstein, the other primary primary editor on the show came on, he was like, well, it can't always be like this, right? Like that would be maddening. And that kind of prompted a lot of conversations of those really intense, fast-paced montages will only feel really aggressive and effective and in your face if they're paired with really slow moments. Like if we're always going at 100 miles per hour you're going to just adjust to that and you're going to get used to it. So I think that was something we really wanted to lean into is having those, those, quick um you know shots of adrenaline as we keep calling them um but also instead just seeing carmy scrub the floor for like 30 whole seconds and like see him get to bed uh, get, get home and he's laying on his couch and he's really lonely and he's falling asleep and then all of a sudden like oh my gosh we're in his nightmare we're in his panic attack there's he's dreaming of setting his kitchen on fire and so i think catching the audience off guard is what makes that makes your heart start pumping makes your palms start sweating and that's the intensity we really wanted to play with because you know it, we kind of wanted to mirror carmy's own anxiety like you don't know when you might be like triggered by something when something might all of a sudden make you feel anxious or make you feel nervous so I think by specifically choosing those moments where we wanted to get the blood flowing for the audience and put them in Carmi's shoes those are always like very deliberate choices and sometimes weren't always scripted sometimes you know it was like we really want we know we're going to want to have like a panic attack or nightmare here and sometimes it was like well we really want to get into the character's head more let's build out something with footage from other episodes you know sometimes you know b-roll that we weren't using like a flashback of some of some kind so it was really fun to be able to play with all those different resources to really put you in the mind of the character and yeah hopefully you share the emotions alongside with them i think that just makes everyone feel more connected to what's going on in the story if you are nervous alongside the characters or you know uh, uh, able to mirror what they're going through
0: i guess as well like because it is also a bit of a fly on the wall show um, because everything shot so closely and everything so uh, in your face, it's like a DIY sort of punk band sort of feel to it. Uh, and in um, yeah. as audience, you're sort of sitting there, being like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening! This is happening! So much is going on!" And like amongst the madness, it seems like things still get done. And I don't know about you in like a work environment, but I don't think personally I could be able to do something like that, knowing that there's so much stress and so much stuff is going on at the same time.
1: Yeah, people always ask if it's a stressful show to work on because the content can be so stressful and it really could not be further from you know, the, the low points of what it's like at the B for the bear. Um, I mean, obviously we're working with tight deadlines. We're working with multiple different people, all bringing their own thoughts and opinions, but you know, I'm so lucky that the post team is such a, a good, well-oiled machine and there's no, nobody brings their egos to the table. It's all about the best idea wins. Um, but our Slack channel definitely has, you know, we started bringing in the lingo from the show. So I'd be like, you know, we need this export, like herd chef, like, you know, I'm on it and people are like chiming in and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, Maybe not everyone who's watched the show has worked in a kitchen, but everyone can relate to that idea of like trying to communicate with the people around you, having managing different personalities, having um, different ideas of how you should do something. And yeah, depending on where you fit into that, that team, you know, finding your place. And I think it's really inspiring to see everyone at the bear bringing out the best in each other. So I think that's a model for people to hopefully learn from and live by and yeah, try to mimic in their own lives.
0: I think as well, you're mentioning about like um, the phrases that are used in a bear. I, I think I've adopted them in my life as well. So if it's like behind someone, you're saying behind yeah. or like a corner. And it's much the an annoyance of my uh, fiance <laughs> when we're in the kitchen and I say that or I say, yes, chef. Yes, mm-hmm. Jeff. And it's like, why are you calling me Jeff? That's my granddad's name. It's like stuff like that, which, again, is like it's just a, like little funny moments. But it, on top of the uh, like the juxtaposition of like how you guys work compared to how the be the uh, the bear is FX is the bear is, It's quite like very different. But I guess if you're working with uh, the show runners who know the show inside out and know exactly what they want, I can imagine that they're quite confident in their material and quite confident in uh, giving instructions of like, oh, actually, don't cut it there, leave it just a little bit longer, or. Add a bit more sound here so that you can create more heightened tension into the scene.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Chris Storer is the creator of the show. He directs the majority of the episodes. And I feel like he just understands the characters. He has so much empathy for the characters. I think he gets so excited by their wins, too. And his uh, enthusiasm is really contagious um, when we're working on the show. And he's really amped on an idea. Um, and I love that the way that he gives notes is a lot of times more emotional than prescriptive. So instead of being like, OK, cut this two frames shorter or, you know, I specifically want to use this take. Instead, he's like, OK, this scene should feel like X. Like, we really want this to feel like the loneliest moment, you know, in Carmi's life or for Sydney, it should just feel, This should feel like the ultimate betrayal. Like, how can we really like convey that, that, you know, Carmi be, you know, not showing up for her in this way is like heartbreaking to her. Um, so I personally love that as an editor because Chris isn't saying, do this, this, and this. He's like, okay, this is where we want to end up. What are the steps that we can take to get there? And I think that's, you know, I've worked with him now on the show Rami. We've worked on other comedy specials together. I've worked with one of the EPs on the show, Josh Sr., for over a decade now. So I feel like luckily we've built up a lot of trust between each other. So I think that they're They know exactly what they want, but they trust that I have the right tricks up my sleeve and know the right like editing techniques that will achieve that. And obviously it takes back and forth. And um, they also are the music supervisors on the show. So they have a really good idea of what tracks will support each moment, whether we want to like play into the emotion or do a juxtaposition of like the opposite feeling based on the scene, you know, having the music kind of contrast that. So yeah, I really love the the freedom that Adam and I and the other editors are given to try out ideas, experiment. I mean, like from the very first episode, Chris was like, make it crazier. And I was like, that's a great note to get as an editor, you know, like he was like, we have a 10 minute sequence. Can we do it in three? And I was like, that's an insane note. And that makes me so excited to, <laughs> to give it a shot. So I just love being able to, yeah, find find different ways to find creative solutions, use like out of the box, you know, ideas and really having the freedom to reuse footage throughout the season for like i was saying these flashbacks and panic attacks i think just really is a great motif and kind of links um everyone's journey together too
0: i think it's quite fascinating to hear about the note section in terms of can you make a 10 minute sequence three minute personally like in my mind that would make me feel quite stressed and a bit like wow how am i supposed to cut seven minutes out of this but i guess if there's certain as if you already have that repertoire and you already know with the creators and they know how you're going to work so that you know what they need. So then I guess it kind of makes it a little bit easier to say like, actually, yeah, this, I can't do this. Let me just, you know, show off my skills and impress them.
1: Yeah. And I think as an editor, it's, you know, once you're spending a lot of time on a scene and, you know, you work so hard on your editor's cut, I feel like earlier in my career, my, my knee jerk reaction would just be like, no, that's impossible. Like we can't do that. You know, sometimes you can get a little bit protective of your work, or you can't, you can only see it one way. And something I've continually tried to get better and better at, you know, as an editor is saying, okay, like, let's at least try this idea even if it doesn't seem like it's exactly what's going to work like maybe if we try this it shouldn't actually be a three minute scene it should be a four and a half minute scene but if we if we didn't try the three minute version we would have never arrived where we needed to and um i just got the advice early on to like you know as an editor you should want to be part of the solution like you don't want to be the stick in the mud that's just like that's not going to work that's not going to work like that's that's not productive that's not helpful for anyone similarly to talking about being on a team like everyone just wants the episode to be the best it can be everyone just wants the show to be you know awesome and kind captivating. So I think if you're just like, no, that doesn't sound like it's going to work and are really dismissive, like that's not helpful to anyone. And that's not going to like, make it a fun working experience. So I really applaud like Chris for always being, you know, even if I try something and it's not quite right, you know, he'll never just be like, that's completely wrong. He'll be like, oh, interesting. That's not how I envisioned it. What if we take this part of this, but actually do it this way? And I think that like ping ponging ideas back and forth that like, you know, improv, yes, and yes, and like building, that's the best part of being an editor is like being there for those wins. And when you figure out a scene, you're just like, oh yes, like we nailed it. And we wouldn't have gotten here if we didn't take all these other detours along the way.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's also a process with like editing, having all the pieces together, then it's like a jigsaw puzzle, putting them all into place uh, for it to work or cut out what you don't need. What I'm interested to sort of pick on what you've mentioned is the, it's like there's emotional payoffs in the show, and then it's like you're talking about taking the right steps to get there. Obviously, these are the sort of stuff that's put in it's in the writing but then sometimes stuff gets cut out or shortened as you also mentioned how do you go about with sort of following the steps to get to these emotional payoffs so i think one example i use which is going to be a spoiler is at the end of season two where kami's stuck in the freezer walk-in freezer and everybody sort of basically works without him and managers, they all step up and they all manage to do their jobs and more. And then it leads to an emotional moment where he kind of breaks himself down in terms of not thinking he's good enough and that he's being like unknowingly selfish. He feels like he's let people down because he was selfish. And then he basically inadvertently breaks up with Claire, upsets her and then has an argument with Richie where it gets very some to the point where you might not even come back from that as like two friends when you're building up to such a big emotional explosion what are the sort of processes and steps to getting to that moment and what are the like what what do you add or you take away in those sort of situations
1: Yeah. I mean, from the very beginning of season two, we try to mention the fridge as much as possible. Like from that first conversation where they're all standing around the pizza box and talking about what needs to change. People immediately are like, the fridge is messed up. Like we need, we need to fix that. And I think there's probably at least like six references, if not more throughout the season of like, you know, every episode or every other episode, they're like, Carmi, did you talk to the fridge guy? Carmi, did we get the freezer fix you know so i think it's something we really try to to plant throughout the season of like oh we've heard this mentioned multiple times and he still hasn't hasn't taken care of it and it's not we don't try to call too much attention to it but it's just like oh let's make sure like you know this is dialogue that could get cut easily because it doesn't relate to what's going on at the moment but trying to like plant that you know, seed throughout the season. So that when it ends up being this major plot point that, you know, him ignoring this throughout 10 full episodes of TV, more or less ends with him missing out on one of the biggest, you know, celebrations and nights of his life. So I think, yeah, just really making sure that feels motivated. And, you know, obviously, that was something in the writing, but you know, in the edit room, you're always like looking for things to cut going back to what you said, like every second counts. That's absolutely our mentality in the edit room, too. We really try to have the episodes be as lean and fast as possible. Um, I feel like we don't, spend time like overly explaining things, you know, we kind of just want the audience to get caught up in the story. So when we're looking for things to cut, you know, I think it's the editor job in the room to really advocate for what are those little like, Easter eggs or like nuggets that are really going to connect for the audience and be rewarding to see like, this is something that's been planted the whole time. And I think I loved that how it built to this, crazy blowout between carmy and richie because we've seen so much growth from richie throughout the season and we didn't want that to be completely unrealistic of like okay he's completely changed he's never gonna you know have any mistakes ever again like that's not that's not realistic i think that's not the type of show that we wanted to make so i think to see him have all this growth especially in that beautiful episode seven when he's at at the fancy restaurant ever but then to see him, you know, do so well in the finale, but then also have this weakness of he can't help but kind of like make this backhanded comment to Carmi. And Carmi also, as we've seen throughout both seasons, has this pent up rage. And, you know, we see- we saw him be kind of the worst version of himself in episode seven of season one, where he, you know, loses it on everyone and Sydney quits. You know, I think that's something he really tries to repress and you actively see him work against that. But then to have that flash of anger again in the finale... I think we didn't want it to be like, oh, great. And the restaurant opened and everybody's perfect now. Like, that's not realistic to the show. That's not realistic to life. So having that, you know, intense anger and saying, you know, we did have this win, but at what cost? You know, there's there's still all of these things that people are going to need to work through in order to make the restaurant truly successful. And those I mean, the performances between Jeremy and Eben, you know, they just every every take just broke my heart because, you know, I was like, didn't want them to be there, but understood how they got there. And hopefully the audience felt that, too.
0: Yes, I think as like an audience member, it was, I feel like you're kind of like watching a slow car crash happen. And it's like, you're seeing it, you're seeing it and you think, just stop talking, stop talking. Mm -hmm. This is a moment where you just need to allow yourself to sort of calm down and go from there and just don't, don't ruin it. And then look what happens. Um, They couldn't
1: resist. They couldn't help
0: themselves. Yeah. And it's also like, it's like two brothers as well.
1: Yeah. And I think to go back also to like the Christmas episode, like that is what even though it's not Richie and Carmi who are at each other's throats at that big dinner table scene, you know, it's it's Uncle Lee and, and Michael, Carmi's brother. That's something that they've just seen their entire lives. Like, it's you know, you get a feeling that all of their family interactions over the years have been fraught and met with this intensity. So I think it's not unrealistic to see both these men get to such an intense level knowing, you know, the role models they've had growing up, the people they've been surrounded by. And not being very good at communicating their feelings they can explode in this way that i don't i really believe neither of them wanted to get there but they just couldn't help themselves and that's kind of what makes the whole interaction so, so tragic and and heartbreaking
0: yeah and on top of that they're like you're supposed to you know you've had such a joyous occasion and it's yeah it hasn't hasn't worked out well and it's yeah it's frustrating to see and feel as an audience members but on top of that, um, you talked about sort of point of views uh, earlier on. And what I'm curious to know about is because there's certain episodes that you've edited where uh, the point of view shifts quite a lot. So two that come to mind for me is episode seven of season one, where it's a, it's shot as a long take, but we jump between people quite a lot in terms of what's happening after the restaurants reopened and they've linked themselves up on those sort of like those Deliveroo, door dash websites without mm-hmm. realizing they've opened up and there's that constant sound of tickets coming out and then also it is you mentioned is the uh, christmas episode where we are with various char- characters point of view and you kind of see like the ugliness of like what family is like in the Kami's household as an editor how do you ensure that like each person gets the right amount of screen time and you can convey their point of view in the situation
1: yeah it's a great question um i mean with Season one, episode seven. You know, my job was relatively easy because it was an actual oneer. So, um, what I spent a lot more time on in that episode was building out a lot of the temp sound design and really making sure we felt like we were in different parts of the kitchen depending on where the camera was and when we were at the front of house, hearing the L train go past, maybe hearing some construction down the block. When we were in the back, hearing the buzz of the freezer, maybe a phone going off in Carmy's office. So, I think that was a way we really wanted to make sure it never felt stale or boring constantly in the earlier episodes, it really built up this intensity with all the different cuts and changing the pace. And if we weren't able to change the pace throughout the episode, how could we still make it feel intense? So we really played a lot with the sound, the music, Um, you know, who, who we're hearing in the background. There was a lot of like off-screen dialogue, too, of Carmi, you know, yelling and progressively getting more angry or Tina saying, you know, five minutes to open, you know, really just having it feel like this like countdown. And then yeah, in, in season two, episode six, the Christmas episode, I mean, it was just like an embarrassment of riches with performances. And uh, one of the things I really tried to be conscious of was using reaction shots. And that's, you know, no better example than that final dinner scene. And I think because you have, you know, 12 people or however many sitting around the table, even though only one person was talking at a time, it was really It was really important to clock how every person was kind of responding emotionally to what was going on. So we see, you know, Michael and Uncle Lee getting really heated, but also seeing like who looks uncomfortable at the table, who's engaging, who's trying to just disappear and seeing how Carmi's reacting and just kind of like shuts down and closes off. Seeing Sugar, who's trying to get Michael's attention and trying to say, like, calm down, come on, trying to catch his, make his, make eye contact with him. I think that was so important and just tracking where everybody was at every moment. And even though it was only, a conversation mostly between two people feeling like it was affecting everyone because obviously a, a, a huge blow up like that would. And yeah, even in the earlier kitchen scenes too, there's so many people just coming in and out of The kitchen and Chris was really you know good about saying oh I remember we caught this moment of like sugar like looking at the empty bottle of wine and feeling really discouraged or uh, you know looking disappointed in her mother let's make sure we catch that we don't need to see every person say their line we can hear what's going on on screen but feeling the emotion of the other characters and what's going on is so important too especially some of the people who aren't as loud as the Donna's or the Richie's or the Michael's like making sure we're tracking their storylines too. Tiffany and Rich and Richie or you know, even Cousin Michelle and Stevie. So, yeah, and we really played a lot also with the Fact Brothers and how they could come in as like comedic relief throughout, because kind of similar to what we were talking about before, like contrasting the fast paced scenes with the slow paced scenes. um Same thing with that episode, like having these moments of levity, like breaking a little bit of the tension just to build it right back up. So, I think we wanted it to keep feeling like it was building and building and building throughout the episode, but also giving people a little bit of a, a relief at times. And a lot of those scenes with, um, um, the fact brothers were improvised too, so it really gave me a lot of freedom in figuring out where in the episode they should come. When do we feel like we need a little bit of a breath before we get back into the train wreck that is Donna? And every time we like cut back to the kitchen, it was just supposed to be like you know we turned up the volume a couple notches or the intensity a couple of notches on what you know Donna is feeling, and making sure the cutting style was reflective of that. Whether it's faster paced or whether we're cutting to more inserts that make it feel a little bit more claustrophobic, like that was something we really tried to do as well to to reflect what where everyone's emotional state was at
0: that episode the christmas one i'm not sure about you but it does feel a little bit like my family sometimes when you sort of talk <laughs> over one another or you argue about stuff at the table about stuff that shouldn't really be argued about or even talked about at like the christmas table because we celebrate the the seven fish festival as well so Probably it's kind of
1: quite as stressful for you <laughs>
0: Probably is for my mum because she does all the cooking and the prepping and we kind of sit there being like, do you want anything? And it's like, "Nope, get out of my way. So it's like, hurricane mum, come here. So uh, let's uh, let's get out for the day. But when you're getting those moments as well, when you're mentioning about, oh, we've got these little snippets here and there of sugar uh, looking at the empty wine, uh, wine bottle and people's reactions to what's going on. I guess it's like being sat at a table and in one area is like a big pressure cooker and how no one can escape as well. Like it it will add to the pressure and also like the, how people are going to react to what's happening.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, it just, um, One of my like main references for that dinner scene at the end of the Christmas episode was the first episode of season two of Fleabag, which primarily takes place like around the dinner table. And, um, you know, we're introducing the hot priest character. We're also kind of like resetting where everyone is at the beginning of the season. And I just when I rewatched it, I was so struck by like, you almost never see someone finish a complete line of dialogue because you're always like, you know, someone says something crazy and you want to see someone reacting. And sometimes it's for a comedic effect, you know, those reaction shots, sometimes it's story, you know, important to the story. And you're just kind of building that up, building up character development or relationships between people. So that was something I really tried to lean into with that you know scene two was you know we can see mikey yell lines over and over again but you know at a certain point we don't need to see his intensity we're feeling it and if we're seeing somebody else react to that intensity that's almost more visceral it's almost like you know we're feeling their embarrassment or their uncomfortability and just makes us feel like we're sitting at the table too kind of taking in this you know this train wreck in slow motion like you were saying
0: yeah exactly and it's maybe fun to watch is not the right word but it's like you're, engrossed, uh, you're completely engrossed whilst watching it. But on top of those sort of things as well, there's um, a lot of needle drops in the show. And you were mentioning as well, like creators of music supervisors as well, which is quite unheard of. But then I guess when you're so close to the show, you're going to know exactly what songs you want to use and what you don't want to use. And there's a lot of like a the theme is like quite a lot of It's like sort of dad rock, which feels a bit weird to say because it's like, that sort of music is like what I like. And it's just like, am I getting old? Is this what the kids are calling it now? <laughs> you know, back in the day, it was just rock. But how do you start? in How do you go about knowing that there is going to be a certain song required in the scene before you've cut it? And then does the cutting change? Does the scene like how you've cut the scene change once the music's been inserted?
1: Yeah, sometimes it'll say like specifically in the script, like from the, the first scene of us going back into the restaurant beginning of season two, it was like Bruce Hornsby's The Show Must Go On is playing. So sometimes they call it out right away. Sometimes Chris and Josh have in their head, like we know we want the song for the specific moment. And that's something just they just convey to Adam and I. And beyond that, at the beginning of every season, they give us kind of a massive playlist. That's like here's all the songs that either while we were writing or talking about the show, or just like the feel of the show. And it has everything from you know movie scores to dad rock to rap to classical music to you know all sorts of different different types of of tracks. Taylor Swift, of course, um which is a great needle drop from this season. And so part of the you know if we don't have a very specific idea or instruction of where a song should go, but we feel like there should be music in that moment, we kind to have this like starting point of like, okay, well, this is this is what's in the world of the bear. And I remember I had like a song by the pretenders that I loved. And I really wanted to find a spot for in the show. And as we're cutting a lot of times, I feel like I'll, I'll say, okay, these, these uh, scenes are all like a little bit short, I feel like it would be better to like interweave them. And we kind of turn them into almost like a mini montage where we have like a scene that's like broken up between like multiple different locations. And um, we're able to kind of like braid those different scenes together um, in a way that feels like it's not just like we're going from one place to the other if we're like checking in with a bunch of different people and coming back to them all while having one piece of music connecting them like it's like a really easy way to just like kind of link everyone's stories and kind of see what's going on simultaneously so yeah this one pretender song I feel like I literally cut it in like four different episodes before it ended up in episode eight and was the right place for it but um I feel like we do kind of have some of those songs that we're like oh we love this we just don't know exactly where it should go and it's fun to kind of audition it and inevitably you know when you put in a new song you're like oh actually maybe this part should be faster this part should be slower so I think there is a little bit of re-editing that goes but also just getting to like audition all those tracks I feel like it might sound cheesy, but you just kind of like feel it when you're like, oh, this is this is getting at what we want it to. And I remember in episode four, um, when they go to Copenhagen, uh, originally I had, you know, Adam and I edited that episode together, and we had a lot of faster tracks in there. And Um, Chris and Josh and Rami, the director of that episode, were like, no, this really should be more meditative. It should be more quiet. And so we stripped out a lot of the music and ended up replacing tracks with stuff that was a little bit slower. And at first, I wasn't really sure that was the right move. And then when I realized, you know, oh, we really want to be in Marcus's perspective, I was like, oh, yeah, we're not trying to make this feel like we're in Chicago and they're racing against the clock. Like this is one of the moments that should feel like detached from all the stress that's going on, um, you know, in, in the States and just be in this like completely different environment environment introducing these new characters showing marcus operating in a world where he doesn't really understand the customs and he's just like soaking it all in and so making sure the music dictated that was a, a really important piece of the puzzle and once we ended up taking out a lot of the music and then making those swaps i think we we're really trying to starting to understand like the vibe and where we wanted what we wanted to lean into um, in terms of making that very, feel very different and distinctive
0: yeah because i think the music's just as an just another in character and just as important to what's going on And I know Adam cut the scene with the Taylor Swift song, which like at time I was thinking like, what a random sort of song to put in, especially like Taylor Swift with how big of an artist they are. But then you kind of realize, actually, it's part of Richie's growth that he's embracing what people like and because his daughter in liking Taylor Swift and early in the season, he's like, can't believe people listen to this sort of music because it, it, there's also another way of just like sort of conveying emotion and sort of adding to what's already in the scene.
1: One of my favorite little details, too, is that in the Christmas episode, Tiffany as uh, character is wearing a Taylor Swift shirt. So I just love that it's like <laughs> they have all these, like you said, mentions to it and she becomes kind of this artist within their family and to show him having this moment of just like freedom and like exhilaration and embracing, like you said, this thing that could be a little bit cheesy, but he genu- genuinely looks so happy and victorious in that moment. Adam just did such a great job cutting it. And it's just like that. It makes you want to just like cheer cheer for him because it's such a great
0: moment for Richie I did speak to Adam previously and this is a question that I forgot to ask him um so I'm gonna uh use it with you there's an episode so then because you guys edit various episodes and there's always going to be some sort of tone throughout how do you guys uh, communicate and work together to be able to continue having the same tone and vibe during the episodes because i know on barry the two uh, editors ali and uh, frankie used to sit in uh whilst they edited the episode to sort of have a look at and see like how their episode is going on
1: i mean a, a lot of that too is you know the the creative team like making sure that you know when chris and joanna and josh are watching episodes making sure like everything feels cohesive and similar but i feel like adam and i just like are constantly kind of like sending each other scenes that we're working on being like, what do you think of this? Do you feel like it's too fast? Do you feel like it's too slow? How do you feel about the music track? Like he really is kind of like the first sounding board. And um, I think we both really understand like the style with, with, with which the show is filmed and kind of like that the, The visual language, I guess, of like, what are the what are the ways that we convey different emotions? And, you know, we we talk about those like mini montages that I kind of was referencing before where we kind of like braid a couple of scenes together. We definitely have like the moments where like, oh, this would be a good situation to like have a couple of quick inserts. Like we talk a lot about how there's barely any like establishing shots in the show. Like if we're moving to a new location, we usually opt for like inserts instead of like, okay, we were in the office and then we just see a quick like the knob turning on the stove flames are up now we're in the kitchen they're cooking again so i think that's something we really try to do as much as possible and something we've talked about and i think we also like you know i hope adam would say the same thing just kind of study each other's episodes a lot i think we're both just like fans of the show so i love being able to you know cut a couple episodes kind of see what adam's worked on kind of like handing off the baton and i feel like i always get you know inspired if i'm like watching one of the things he cut and then come back to my episodes and be like oh it's cool how he did this he's like a master of temp sound design too i feel like he's so good at like putting like a filter on a or using a sound transitionally um so i feel like that's always something that like he'll have great suggestions for things places to do that in my episodes and um you know i try to you know give my thoughts to on what might work in terms of like pacing or cutting stuff and yeah i I think it's just something that you know after working on the first season so closely and then the second season now we're like oh yeah this feels like the bear (laughs) like this is this is kind of like what the world that we have created
0: over those different episodes i think it's fascinating to hear as well like how you kind of bounce off one another, and like, I guess that's really important as creatives to know like, oh, if they did it like this, maybe I could do it this way, and vice versa. I think with like, as well, hearing about like the temp temp soundtracks, that's something that quite uh, interests me, because as editors I guess you're sort of building something to uh, a certain way, and then just putting stuff like temp temps in, and then letting the sound team build that scene up. But like, if you're adding this uh, temp sounds in, does that change how you edit as well? Or is it just a case of like, I know this is just a place, place mark. It's not a, um, it's not something that I should worry too much about until later on when the sound design's actually been created.
1: Yeah, I think temp sound design is so important while cutting. Um, just for me personally, sometimes I'll think to myself, like, why isn't this cut working? Like, I, I feel like logically, it should. And then if I just spend a little time building out a sound effect, or, you know, making sure there's like a, a transitional noise between two scenes, I'm like, Oh, that's all it was, I was just getting distracted by not knowing, not having the context for where I was. So I think that's something that you know, our assistant editors are great at is pulling sound effects that will create the background, whether that's a construction site, whether that's a busy restaurant, whether that's, you know, the L train standing outside waiting for on the platform, I think it just really helps to like sell the environment. And um, it's tough for someone to watch a first cut and be like, Oh, yeah, yeah. And then we'll add a whole bunch of sounds. So even if you can take like a first step towards like building out the world, I just find that it always kind of helps escalate or you know accelerate the process of getting feedback because you can more envision what we're going for and I feel like especially with montages too you know sometimes I'm like oh I feel like I can't cut this any faster but then once I add in some sound effects I'm like oh if you start adding the sound you actually can cut a bit faster because people are taking in the information so much faster and maybe we don't need to be on this um, shot of like meat cooking for a full second we can cut it down to 10 seconds because if you hear the sizzle you're like brain more immediately is like, oh, I understand what's going on. I'm taking in this information and we can just like amp up the pace even more so um you know I'm always like wow we did a pretty good job with you know temp sound design and then I see the mix the team at sound lounge did and I'm like oh ours was horrible they did so much better so (laughs) I get used to hearing some of my sound effects in there and then I'm always blown away by like how much more they can elevate it and all the other things they think to add and yeah I think I think it's just it's it's really important for a show like this too that's so dialogue heavy there's so much music like I think if we were missing the sound effects as well it would just feel a little bit incomplete as we were watching those early cuts
0: I think, like as an audience member, you kind of don't realise how important sound is in a show, especially with something like the bear, where you, it, are, it is a visceral experience. You kind of forget that, like, sound is sort of something that makes it quite will really make a show, and especially as like audience, like if you're hearing sound, you you you're not as forgiving if like sound sounds a bit off uh, when you're listening it to it. But also, I just want to sort of get onto the more software side when it comes to editing because you're using adobe editing software and is that usually like your go-to software and then what is it that you like about using it and what is it that helps you with the software when you're editing a show like fx is the bear
1: yeah i have used premiere adobe premiere for pretty much everything I've edited since graduating from NYU. And I love it. I mean, it's it's so easy to just like get started in a project. The, the feature that was really important to us for the bear is Adobe Productions, because it makes it really seamless to share media across different editors it can be in one project for one episode. Adam's another project. RAEs are in, you know, the B-roll project and the music project. And you can see where everyone is and it kind of locks the features so you can't go in and mess anything else up. And I think because we share so much footage between episodes mm. and our able to you know reuse a lot of chicago b-roll or you know um kitchen b-roll or construction b-roll just having a place where we can grab um, it's just super super helpful and makes things seamless Um, and yeah i love being able to like color different like labels for different scenes like i'm just such a visual person to be able to just look and be like okay here's this scene here's this scene here's this scene it just makes it all feel like a little bit more when the the deadlines are really tight and you're trying to make changes quickly it just makes it feel a little bit more manageable to have it so organized and clear
0: yeah, because I think if you well, if you've used it for so long, um, you'll know all the sort of shortcuts and the uh, best way to utilise the software. I think uh, what I quite like when I hear about Premiere Pro is the um, is the sort of like the being able to work on the same project or uh, have an area where you could share your work with one another and label about what you're working on and what you're doing and uh, color coding it. Because I guess if you're not in the set if somebody's working from home or away from the edit suite then uh it's such a useful tool to have and to sort of always be on hand to be able to access it and go through it
1: yeah and when they were shooting in Chicago and the production team was there we were all working remotely so you know we all live in various parts of the tri-state area and so being able to all access the same media be able to be cutting uh you know I could say to Adam hey can you just pop in this project. I left a marker. Can you watch this scene and give me some quick feedback? Like that makes things so much more seamless than like, okay, I'm going to export. It. I'm going to send it to you. You have to reconnect this on your drive because I added the sound effect. I mean, it just gets so, you get so bogged down in the logistics. There's no time for the fun part, the creative part. So that was really great. And then when we moved to in person, we went to cut out of senior post in Dumbo in Brooklyn. Um, and we could just pick right back up where we left off. You know, it wasn't like, you know, oh, we have to remember to bring our drives and we have to get reacclimated. It's like, oh, this is exactly what we've been working on. We're just in a place where now all that stuff we were doing remotely we can do in person and that was so helpful for just like pushing things over the finish line like that was like the last like eight to ten weeks we were all together and it was just so helpful to just like make sure everything you know makes sense made sense we did like a pass of every episode where we looked at every single clock and we were like okay does this make sense like logically you know just kind of doing all those like last minute gut check things to make everything feel seamless and and together
0: as we've seen in the final product it's It looks incredible. Just just curious as well. I've got a few more questions that I'd like to ask. Uh, What was your favorite scene that you didn't edit?
1: Oh, my favorite scene I didn't edit. I mean, the scene that always makes me cry (laughs) is the end of episode nine, um, which is one of the episodes Adam cut. And, you know, everyone... Carmi and Sydney just had this really nice, like, long take. They're talking underneath the table, and then he gives her the like Tom Brown uniform. Everyone's getting ready, and uh, this ACDC song is playing, and you're just like getting so pumped up. And there's a moment where, like, you know, it's Richie and Sugar and Carmi, and they're like waiting near the front door and then sydney walks in there's this amazing like push and shot where she comes in um and they're like ready to go and they're like say the words and she just says like let it rip and they like unlock the door and it's just like I, I tear up every time because i'm just like so proud of them they're like facing this challenge head on and i think it's like you know just coming towards the end of the season you're just like oh they're doing it like look at how far they've come so i think adam just cut that so perfectly to the music i love like the the pauses he takes of just like everyone looking at each other and there's this like feeling of warmth that we have really earned at that point you know there's been a lot of like tension and animosity between all four of these characters in different ways and this is just a moment where they're all aligned they're all facing these challenges head-on and i think adam just paced it out perfectly to feel that sense of like accomplishment and victory so 10 out of 10 i love that and then we get to go into the chaos of the finale
0: (laughs) which leads to my last question uh, my penultimate question what was your favorite scene to edit
1: my favorite scene to edit. Oh, man, there's so many. Um, one of my favorite ones to edit was in episode eight. Um, and that was an episode I co edited with Megan Mancini, who was my AE on the pilot AE on both seasons. And then we were able to cut this episode together this year, which was so fun. And she did an amazing job. And one of the scenes we spent the most time on was the fire suppression test. Um, and basically, that whole episode, we're like building up and building up. And it's like, if they don't pass this test. They can't open. They're not going to be able to pay Cicero back. Basically they're they're screwed. And Chris would really talked to us about like we want to make this feel as extended as possible. So we really tried to like use every single frame we could to like build it out and there wasn't a ton of coverage. So Chris was like, I feel like it's still not landing. And then he was like, what if we take a moment to like go into each character's head and kind of see what they would be thinking about in this moment. Um, And that was just such a brilliant idea. And Meg and I kind of brainstormed what are the different things that each character would be thinking about? You know, for Sydney, we like flashback to her and her dad. We see her like failed catering business. Um, You know, when we see Richie, he's thinking about his daughter. He's thinking about Tiffany. He's thinking about laughing at at the beef and like all these fond memories. And for Carmi, he's imagining like his cousin, Michelle, saying keep going but also seeing his mother he's seeing his his brother and i think that was really just such a smart idea from chris and such a fun thing for meg and i to to experiment with because yeah i think it was really just like about raising the stakes and making sure people understood like okay The whole season has been building to this and like what is on the line for each character and again like i keep talking about like having the freedom to reuse this footage like the audience is bringing their own context to it they've seen this this footage in different episodes and now they also have created their own memories with it so in a way it kind of um yeah it's just all about kind of connecting the audience with those emotions they're going through building that empathy and then having their victory feel like the audience's victory too
0: it's a solid choice in yeah, terms of you. the of the scene. Glad,
1: glad you approve. <laughs>
0: thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I think when you're thinking about that scene as well, when you've uh, built up those memories as audience members as well, I think this also adds like a different point of view and element to it, especially when you've mentioned it before going through uh, point of views of characters and it's like, as you said, like everything that they've worked to has led up to this sort of moment and how like, yeah, it's kind of like a do or die moment that they need to, if it doesn't pass, that's it, game over. There's no mm-hmm. no coming back from it. And I think as well with like the failures and uh, in Sydney's case, the failures of her catering business. So then with Carmi with having images of his brother, who's kind of like trying to do that for uh, trying to do the, trying to reopen the restaurant for it does sort of give us that sort of as audience uh, a little bit extra sort of like teary moment to be like oh mm-hmm. pressure's building pressure's building and then it works and you just think you know you kind of want to jump up into the air and just be like celebrate uh yeah. for them
1: and have that sigh of relief of being like oh it was really all riding on this moment making sure that that comes through and lands
0: yeah exactly and it's just like okay but we- They're in business. Time to uh, it's like it's weird to think that it's like all the hard work is there, but then it's like there's still a lot more to do and a lot more to get through and make sure everything works out perfectly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're not in the clear yet, but that's at least an important step to to getting to that that finish line.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Um, And just to wrap the episode up, what would you say is your signature dish to cook?
1: My signature dish. I mean if I'm being honest, it's like a a box of Annie's mac and cheese. That's like, <laughs> you know, my easiest thing. And I'll try to dress it up a little bit with like, maybe make some like caramelized onions or like put some like different kinds of cheese in there. But that's, uh that's probably my my the thing I cook the most. But I come from an Italian family as well. So I'd say like my favorite thing to cook is like stuffed shells pasta. So you know, like uh, noodles that are shaped like shells, but you stuff them with ricotta and spinach and parmesan and garlic and Put a bunch of tomato sauce on it bake it in the oven and um it's just super delicious and makes me think of my mom's home cooking and all of our shared meals together which thankfully are a lot less stressful than the brisada family so <laughs> like not as much trauma involved with that
0: uh, i think nothing will ever be as stressful as uh, cooking uh, with that family um
1: exactly
0: I know that I said that was my last question, but I forgot to mention one more thing uh, that's come to mind um, and that's been reminded for me is the um, you also been nominated for an Emmy for season one episode yes. system, which yep. must be quite an amazing feeling. Like tell us a bit about your thoughts and how sometimes like I've I've talked to crew members about like where were they when they heard the news and it's like what well, what was the feeling like that you've been nominated?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, it was. I knew like the nominations were coming out. And so I watched the like live announcement where the show got nominated and Jeremy got nominated and I O and was like so stoked and then, you know, got to look up the full list. And when I just saw my name next to like so many other shows, I really look up to and admire. I was like, oh, this is so surreal. My husband filmed the moment so we could like send it to to my family. And, um, you know, I just started like tearing up and was like, Oh, this is this is crazy. And I'm someone who's always like loved watching award shows and stuff. So obviously, it's not the only like merit of, you know, what, um, you know, someone's achievement, but it it just to be recognized by other editors and voting members in the TV Academy is so cool, because I still feel relatively new to my career. And, you know, just feel like, you know, I edited the show, you know, season one, we were basically in remote the whole time I was doing it from this room. So for then it to achieve such an audience and get so much respect from other other editors is just is just really surreal and it's it's rare i think that you get to work on a show and you love it so much as a fan and also love working on it because the people are so creative and open-minded and communicative so it's just to be to achieve so much you know success and recognition from a show i deeply truly love so much as it doesn't get better than that
0: i think I quite like the idea of the your like reaction being recorded yeah <laughs> I think those always the sort of most wholesome moments because there's those moments where you've just received, you know, getting that first uh, reaction to what's going on and just being like, "Wow, like this is uh, this is something." And on top of that as well, like mentioning how in the first series you're working remote is another thing that's just like going, being able to work in remote uh, in a remote environment and then coming out with um, all these accolades and being able to sort of share with the world what you guys have been working on as well it's quite an incredible achievement
1: yeah definitely No, it just feels like you know it feels so small and contained where you know you're like oh there's only like 20 people who have seen the season you know as you're working on it and then you know, we like put out season two on like a Thursday night and like all went to sleep and we're like, all right, our, our kid is, you know, going off to college, you know, it's out in the world. Um, and then to wake up the next morning and see that like, you know, people are starting to respond to it. Of course, a couple people on Reddit are like, I watched the whole thing overnight. Here's what I think, you know, it's just so excited then for it to take on a, a life of its own and seeing what people connect with. And, you know, we hope that that, you know, the Christmas episode would really surprise people with the insane cast. And then to see the memes and the reactions on Twitter is just it's so fun to have this feel like you're holding on to the secret for, you know, a couple of months of like, oh, this is going to be really good. I can't wait for people to see it. And then it's just like so rewarding to, yeah, have it have it pay off and be out there and yeah, have people to hear how much people appreciate It's just like, you know, there's no better feeling.
0: I think it's crazy that people managed to watch the whole season overnight um, i do
1: too i also wouldn't recommend it there's some stressful stuff in there you got you got to sleep break it up a little
0: <laughs> yeah 100 it's also uh you need to let like a good source. you need to let it marinate and take oh, in nice. what's happening thank you uh, <laughs> <I agree. laughs> um and then on top of that it's like i think you know your show's kind of uh made it and it's done well is uh when memes start getting made of it and like people sharing memes and and phrases from the show. I don't know if people are put if like your family members have been sharing memes or saying yes, chef or no chef to you,
1: definitely. yes. my My dad and my aunt have been at the forefront of sending me, you know, funny Twitter posts or you know, things like that. And there was a great, like the the show, um, Uh, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson came out like around the same time. And there was a great like mashup of like, you know, Carmi yelling in the kitchen with like one of the lines from his show. So that that felt very perfectly timed. It was like 55 burgers, 55 fries, like that, that great mashup. Uh, So yeah, seeing the memes and seeing people kind of, yeah, taking the footage that we've been working on, you know, for so many months and kind of making their own, making their own version of it and f- making these jokes uh, adam and i love sending them back and forth too with the rest of the post team it's really fun
0: good to hear and the cultural footprint is important joanna thank you so much for your time fx is the bear is exclusively streaming on on hulu but in the uk you can watch it on disney plus thank you again for your so much for your time
1: yeah thank you for having me it was great chatting with you robert and uh yeah hope everyone keeps watching the show and liking it
0: <laughs> well here's to the fingers crossed for the next season to come out and we'll eagerly await that and then also eagerly await uh, the emmys to see what the results are joanna thank you again
1: have a great day thank you too
0: take care bye-bye thank you for listening please subscribe rate and review this podcast